Mark chapter 6. Anybody in here a people watcher? We are a unique bunch. Um, it's not there anymore, but um, Walmart it used to be before they built the one up where Sam's is was up above our house, and uh, we'd have to go up there. I'd sit in the car, and uh, like uh, I kind of likened it to be at the drive-through movie. I just sat back, looked out the windshield, and everything I saw going past me. It was uh, it was interesting. Uh, one of the things that uh, is curious uh, to me is our. Um, how we respond to things. Uh, you, um, you know, I could take and put most anything uh, up here and, and, and set it up here and say, what do you think? What do you think of this? Um, and I mean, it could be that candle, it could be that keyboard, it could be Tommy's guitar, it could be a chocolate cake, um, you know, it could be most anything. Um, and say, you know, what, what do you think of that? What's your response when I put this up there? Um, you know, that's like those, uh, what's it, the Rorschach test, the link blocks. What do you see? Nothing. Uh, you know, that's, uh, you know uh, that, that's what I see. I see a blob of ink. Uh, that's all I see. Um, and uh, we respond in different. I can put a, I can put a snake up here. And we get different responses. There would be people that if I put that snake up here, um, they couldn't get to that door fast enough. I mean, they would have to go off the hinges, uh, getting out of here. Uh, there would be some people, and you know this is true, uh, who would come up like that Australian fellow, the fellow that used to be on TV, and would come up here and go, oh, what the pretty snake, you know. Nuts. And see how I respond to him. Uh, you know, uh, but we respond to things all kinds of ways. Uh, you know, some people, uh, again, if you put, you know, my favorite illustration, if you put a bowl of uh, pickled beets on the table, uh, there would be some people who would just be tickled pink. Uh, you know, they dig right in. Me, on the other hand, I'd be like, where's the garbage can? Uh, they don't. They don't even deserve to be in the garbage can or mess up good garbage. That's uh, what I think of those things. And, uh, and and Jesus was no different. Uh, we see all through. Uh, several years ago, we we went through the Gospel of John. Now uh, here in the Gospel of Mark, uh, you've read Matthew and Luke on your own, uh, and you know that people responded to Jesus differently. Uh, some people, when they met Jesus, it just made them angry, it infuriated them uh, to, to meet Jesus. Others uh, fell on their face. They, they were, it was uh, uh, kind of used to say love at first sight. They, uh, they, they were thrilled to meet Jesus. Others somewhere in between. They just weren't real sure what to make of him. And, uh, and the passage we're going to look at today uh, deals with that. There are uh, uh, three different responses uh, to Jesus. They, they respond to him uh, three different ways here uh, in, uh, in, in this passage. Uh, and it's, uh, it's interesting uh, to, uh, to, to look at them. And uh, if you write in your Bible, and I know some people don't, and that's fine. I'm not a, a, a big Bible writer myself, for one thing. Uh, when I write it small enough to fit in my Bible, I write so badly I can't read it later, uh, and so uh, I just don't uh, don't do uh, 
don't write much in my Bible, uh, but uh, if you do, there, there's three words in, in this passage I want you to see, uh, and, uh, and maybe underline them, or, or circle them, or at least uh, notice these three words. They're, uh, uh, this passage, in, in uh, these six verses, uh, uh, the first six verses of chapter six, just, uh, they divide, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is uh, easy picking for preaching, uh, because they divide very nicely. One and two is uh, one phrase, three and four is the next phrase, and five and six is the next phrase. And so, um, anybody, uh, basic, uh, basic uh, first year preaching student can figure that one out. Uh, but in the first two verses, uh, you'll see the word astonished. The first response we see to Jesus in those two verses is the word astonished. The second group we see in verses 3 and 4 uh, is you will see the word unbelief. Uh, unbelief uh, is, uh, excuse me, that's in verse 5 and 6. I, I skipped ahead of myself. Uh, verse 3 and 4 uh, is the word offended. Uh, and so we have three words that describe the response of the people here uh, to Jesus Christ. They, some were astonished, uh, some were offended, and some didn't believe. Uh, th those three words describe uh, their response. And uh, in many ways, uh, they still, even today, uh, describe how the majority uh, of people respond to Jesus Christ. They are astonished uh, by Jesus Christ. You can uh, go out and, and talk to some, and you talk, uh, and they will talk to you all day uh, about what they know about the Bible. Many people who have never darkened the church doors uh, know more about the Bible than the, the preacher in the pulpit. Uh, they like to talk about the miracles. They like to talk about him walking on water and raising the dead. They're, they're, they're astonished. Uh, at the story. In fact, uh, there is a, uh, a label that is being used now uh, called the de-church. Uh, and uh, we have unchurched people, obviously, but uh, the de-churched people uh, are those who formerly were in church, uh, who for whatever reason uh, have, uh, have left the church. And one study among the de-churched shows they have more belief in Scripture than those who are still in the church. Uh, kind of a weird, uh, yeah, that's exactly right, Melissa. It's kind of a weird, uh, weird statistic. They're not in church, but they have more confidence in Scripture uh, than the people who are in church. Um, and so uh, they, they're astonished. Uh, some, uh, like these folks here, uh, they're offended. Uh, you start telling them Jesus Christ is the only way uh, of salvation. You start telling them they're a sinner, they need to be saved, and they get angry. Uh, and then the third group is obviously the unbelief. There are some who, uh, they just, they're just not buying. They, they just, uh, they're just not accepting uh, the, the whole story, uh, anything to do with Jesus Christ. So this morning, uh, I want to look a little closer uh, at uh, these three groups uh, of people and, uh, and see, uh, 
how these folks responded. And uh, curiously, these are people uh, who probably quite a few of them may have even actually been related to Jesus. Jesus has now uh, made his way back to Nazareth. He's back uh, in his hometown. Uh, estimates say that uh, in Nazareth there was uh, probably at most 200 people. Uh, and so there's a good chance some of them were uh, at least distant uh, relatives uh, of Jesus, some probably uh, even closer uh, relatives of, of Mary and Joseph and uh, were part of his family. And this uh, is how they responded. Some were stunned at Jesus' teaching. Some were stunned. Again, the Bible says he went out from there uh, and, and came into his own country. He goes back uh, to Nazareth and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. You know, that's uh, a fairly regular practice of Jesus that when he was in a town and the Sabbath came along, he goes to the synagogue uh, and there he would end up uh, being, uh, beginning to teach. And it says, those that heard him were astonished. Look at the questions they ask. They say, from whence has this man these things? Where did he get this stuff? Where, where did he get this stuff he's talking about? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? What kind of wisdom is this? Where, where did he get it and what is it? Uh, is their question. Uh, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Uh, there, they have some, uh, some questions and they are uh, legitimate questions, I think. Uh, when someone is talking and teaching something as radical uh, as what Jesus was teaching from what they had uh, heard all their life, uh, they have some questions, but they are astonished uh, at the, the works of Jesus, at the teaching of Jesus. And there's, there's nothing in and of itself wrong with being astonished at, at the teaching, being stunned at, at the teaching of Jesus. It's difficult uh, to read the Gospels and, and the ministry of Jesus Christ and not be a little bit stunned. It's, it's difficult to read a passage that says he goes up to the crippled man and says, take up your bed and walk, and he does. And if you're not a little bit stunned by that, uh, you, 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 you got me. Uh, you know, it's difficult uh, to read a passage that says he comes to a blind man and he spits in the dirt and, and takes a little bit of mud and rubs on their eyes and says, now go wash it out and the man can see. It's difficult uh, to read about him uh, going down to the cemetery and saying, Lazarus, come forth. And, and, and he, of all men, and of all things, he comes forth. It's difficult to read those things and to hear those things and not be astonished, to be stunned uh, at what he is doing. Uh, and so uh, these people are in that boat. They're, they're hearing him teach. They're hearing what he says. And, and like most of us, uh, I don't know if you can think back, if you can remember how far it goes back. It may go back uh, in the old days of Sunday. It may go back into Sunday school or GAs, RAs, whatever. Go way back to the first time you had somebody uh, sit down and tell you about some of these miracles of him walking on the water and calming the sea. And, and if, you've, if you've ever 
if you remember that, or if you've ever taught a preschool class and you start telling telling them these Bible stories of the, the works of Jesus and, and see the, the what you all know, that awestruck wonder in their eyes. They are amazed at what Jesus did. And the people in his hometown, as they hear him teaching, they are stunned. They are amazed at what he says. Now, we know that he wasn't uh, exactly, uh, he wasn't going to be voted most likely to succeed back in Nazareth. He's already been back to Nazareth once. Uh, he's already went there once. Luke records it for us in uh, chapter uh, 4 and uh, almost says that, uh, tells us there that initially they were impressed with his preaching, but uh, after a while they, they, they turned on him and actually uh, tried to kill him. Uh, that, so his, his first visit to Nazareth uh, hadn't went too well, uh, but now he comes back. He brings, his, he, brings, he brings back up this time. He brings his disciples with him. And, and he comes back and he begins to teach. It's curious uh, that we really don't know what he taught. Uh, the Bible doesn't record for us really uh, any of his words, but, uh, but he was teaching them. And they were, again, they were astonished. Uh, the word means overwhelmed. Uh, it simply, uh, again, is a word that means uh, stunned. They, they were struck by, by what he was uh, teaching uh, as they listened to him. You know, and, and, and I think most of us can identify with this. Again, they knew him. Some of them know that were related to him. And they said, you know, they, they looked at him and they, they knew that here, we're hearing these amazing things from the son of Joseph and Mary. We, we, we remember him as a little kid running down to the corner convenience store and, and buying a Coke and a, and a pack of crackers. We, we remember him. And we remember his family. And, and so they, they listen for a moment, but then they become skeptical. And, and look at the questions again. Where did this man get these things? These things he's talking about. You know, uh, Ronnie gets angry at me all the time for, for, for something. Um, she'll tell me something, and I said, "Who told you? Who told you that?" And she said, "Don't you trust?" Uh, I, I told y'all this before. I tell her, "I trust you 100 percent." You you put my medicine in my little things, and you know, and I just blindly take it. God, we've already had this conversation this morning. You know, I just you know, there could be rat poison in there. I don't know. It's in the day from Monday. I, I'll take it. I don't know. You know. Maybe that's why I am the way I am. I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah. Who knows? I trust. But what I don't know is who she trusts and whether or not I trust them. So I need to know, you know, where do these things come from that you're telling me? It goes on with another question. Uh, is what is this wisdom he's got? You know, where did it come from? And furthermore, what is it? Look at those questions. They got five questions here that, that they ask. Um, do they want to know how is he performing these miracles? We've heard about his miracles. We we've heard what he's doing. How's he doing that? Those are not ordinary. You don't just go down to the cemetery any day you want and say, "Hey, come out here." Uh, that's out of ordinary. How's he doing that? Then they ask a question. They start to get a little more personal. Isn't this the carpenter, they said? 
If Mr. Carpenter, and, and you may not catch this, but please do. Please notice, maybe something else you want to underline. If Mr. Carpenter, the son of Mary, if Mr. Carpenter, the son of Mary, you know what's wrong with that statement? Typically, think about the other people in the Bible that you know of who are who their parents are mentioned. What is how is that usually done? They say things like Jimmy, the son of Bill. Kevin, the son of Norm. Listen, Debbie, the son, the daughter of well, who knows what they might say. The daughter of Bob. They don't say the daughters of Francis, but the son of Nancy. They don't, they don't do that. They don't, they don't say those things. Anywhere else you look in the Bible, you will, I don't want to say anywhere, but I will say 99% of the time, the person is identified not by their mother, but by the father. So what we have here is as they're questioning Jesus, it has progressed to the point now where there's this little backhanded, underhanded little slap at his, um, how do I say this in, in, in church in, a, in, 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 in polite talk, they're, they're questioning the relationship between his mother and father. You got do like this if you understand what I'm saying. Remember Mary, Jesus was born of a virgin. Everybody in that little town of 200 knew about Mary. They knew about Joseph. And they knew that you know, they could do what some of y'all do. I see, they got Mary in here. One, two, three, four, five. And so when the baby comes, you start counting months. Don't tell me don't do it. They need So when they say Jesus, the Son of Man, it's a little slap at his uh, credentials. A little swing at his mouth. A little swing at uh, who he is. And they go on and say, and, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. We know his family. We know where he came from. We know all about it. And then finally, in fact, aren't his sisters right here with us? They say. Aren't his sisters here? They, 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 these all were meant to be little spit in your face questions. Little attacks at who he was. They didn't think about this. That at no point in their questioning or their comments about Jesus do they say he's lying. At no point do they say he's wrong. At no point do we read where they challenge him on anything that he said. But instead, they question his heritage. They question his right 
to say those things. If he, he didn't get this wisdom, he didn't, where did this wisdom come from? How did he get it? And they just, again, notice what they do. They don't say, like others have said, oh, he's of the Elzebub. He's of Satan. How many of you have ever seen that happen in conversation among people? Sometimes people will, in talking about somebody, they will just out and out say something bad. But they'll just kind of ask a question and leave it hanging. You know, something like, well, have you ever met his mother? And just leave it. Now, that question could be took a couple ways. They may be meaning his mother's a great, wonderful lady. Maybe not. But you see, leave it hanging. Where do you get this wisdom? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? They were stunned by what he was saying and had to try to figure out some way to explain it. Had to figure out some way to, to answer it. Again, back in Mark chapter 2, if you remember when the scribes and the Pharisees came to town, they said he's of the elves above. But these people just kind of leave it hanging. They just leave it out there. They, they're, they're stunned by what he's saying. They can't argue with it. They can't say he's wrong. They can't prove him to be a liar. So let's just question his credentials. They're so stunned by what he says. The scandal of the gospel. They were dumbfounded by what he says. Again, they seem to be saying what Jesus says in a moment. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. They were astonished. There are many people today who that's very similar to how they react to Jesus. Perhaps sitting here this morning, perhaps joining us online, that's how you respond to Jesus. Oh, you're amazed by it. It's a really cool story. You sit down and talk about the Bible all day long. You'll talk about the miracles. You'll talk about the crucifixion. You'll talk about the resurrection. You'll talk about his return. There are a lot of folks who are genuinely astonished and stunned to talk about Jesus. It is an amazing story. But so you can be amazed by a story that never transforms your life. You'd be amazed by Jesus and never actually have him in your heart as your Lord and Savior. You like his book. His movie wasn't bad. But I'm not going to let him come into my heart. I'm not going to accept him personally. Some were stunned. Some were struggling. Notice this next group. In verses 3 and 4. It says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. Offended at him. 
offended, it really means they stumbled over what he was telling. They were aggravated. Why? What, what had Jesus done except good? You think about that. That's an interesting statement. They were offended by Jesus. All he's done is cast demons out of their family, raise their, their dead loved ones, heal their sick family and friends. That's all, he, you know, that's all he's done. But they're offended by it. They're, they're, they're angered by the fact that he's done good. In, this, in, in their opinion, in their mind, he was just uh, a little village boy that ought to say I'll be quiet. He was just a common ordinary guy. Should have, should have just kept his mouth shut like the rest of us here and now. Who does he think he is? He's no better than we are. Why, well, he was born just right down there. Yeah. He grew up right over there. I remember him seeing when he was just a little fellow trying to learn to walk. Fell down right there. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is telling us about God? Who does he think he is telling us how to live? Who does he think he is telling us how to worship? The Greek word that is translated here as offended is the word we get our English word scandalized from. It was a scandal for Jesus to stand up and to teach. It aggravated him. Ever seen anybody respond to Jesus that way? You ever see, you ever have a loved one or a friend or a co-worker and you try to tell them about Jesus and what he's done, how he's changed your life and how he changed theirs and they get offended? You ever been cussed for telling somebody about Jesus? If you haven't, you just haven't told enough people about Jesus. Because people today, some are still just astonished. They love to hear the story. But a lot of them are offended. I tell you what, if you don't believe me, go out this week and just start walking around and telling people Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And you will find some offended people. Quickly. Quickly. If you try that this week, my guess is you won't make it till dark today before somebody rakes you over the coals for telling them that. They don't mind you telling them Jesus is a way to heaven. But you start telling them Jesus is the way to heaven, the only way to heaven, and you too will find some people who are offended. Some people are aggravated and offended. You look at those questions again. You can hear it in the questions they ask. Their attitude practically drips off the page. Who does he think he is? You know, his family. Who does he think he is? Can you hear it? Can you see it in those questions? They're offended that this little boy from their hometown would even dare to stand up in the synagogue. 
try to tell them about God. It just hurt their soul. Why, we, we've been serving God longer than He's been alive. you got to remember, in, 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 even in our day, He was what most people would consider a relatively young man, somewhere in his early 30s. And so we're talking about people who would look at him and say, he's just a kid. Who does he think he is? What do you think he's doing? You still get that same kind of response again. You tell people Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's arrogant. What do you mean? You think you're the only one that's got the right? Anybody ever had that happen to him? People get offended. They stumbled. They were stunned. Some were just flat skeptical of what it says. And he could do, there do, no mighty work. Now, let me clarify something there. There is nothing in heaven or hell that can stop Christ from exercising his power if he chooses to. A better way for you and I to hear that statement would be he would do no mighty work. Their unbelief, he's, as we used the phrase in Scripture, he, he wasn't putting his pearl before the swine. They didn't deserve to see his mighty works. Because look at the next verse. He did lay his hand upon a few sick folk. So it wasn't that he couldn't. He said he wouldn't. These people don't deserve to see. They, 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 have, they don't have any faith. I can't do it. I won't do it. He healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages teaching. He would do no miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief. They were skeptical. See, Christ didn't do his miracles to prove who he was. What was his purpose? He, he, he could have he could have called down heaven's fire on, on Nazareth at that point. There was nothing those people could have done to stop. But he chose, because of their unbelief, to do their mighty works in their midst. People today still respond to Jesus in that way, with unbelief. And because of that, they see no mighty works. Their heart has not been changed. Their destiny, their eternity has not been redirected because in their unbelief they have chosen to stay in darkness. They have chosen to stay in sin. They have chosen to walk apart from Jesus Christ. And because of that, He has chosen to allow them to do that. The Bible tells us it's not His will that any should perish. But if they choose in their unbelief, He will allow you that decision. He will allow you to make that decision. Uh, what could have happened in Jesus' hometown? What could have happened in the little village of Nazareth had they only 
believed. And they responded to Jesus in a different way. They responded in a different manner. He laid his hands on a few, but he says he did no mighty works there. I want you to contrast that for a moment with the passage we looked at last week. You want to see the difference in Nazareth because of their unbelief, because they were offended, because they were skeptical, because they were astonished, they were amazed, but they weren't changed. It says he did no mighty works among them. But what do we read, what do we look at last week? In just the last story, at the end of chapter 5, what an amazing passage to take and bring together and look. What happened? We've got a woman who says, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be healed. And she's cured of a 12-year disease. If I can just get to Jesus. Jairus, he goes and says, I know that if you will come, I know that if you will come, you can heal my little girl. Because of his belief, because of his faith, the little girl is brought back from the dead. The difference in belief and unbelief. What could have happened in Nazareth? What would Jesus have done in his hometown if they would have responded differently? If instead of being just astonished, oh, they were amazed. Instead of getting angry, instead of being offended, instead of having unbelief, what would Jesus, what could, what, what could have been in that? Hard to say. But here's the sad reality of that passage. There are people listening to me this morning. There are people who will join us online. There are people who will watch this recorded later. Who you fit in one of those three categories. To some level, I know you're amazed. You're here. You've taken the time to watch online, to watch a recording. I know you're amazed. You can't help but be amazed when you hear the wonderful stories of Jesus, when you hear the stories of the gospel. You can't help but be amazed. From there we get skeptical. Can he really do it again? Would he do it again? Would he do it for me? And ultimately that leads to unbelief. What could have been in Nazareth? What could be in Concord today? How will you respond to Jesus? Just like I said to begin with, every one of us responds differently. I could put a snake or a cake on this table up here. I could put a chocolate cake on this table. Some of you would run to it with two forks. 
the snake. She didn't like chocolate. We all respond to things differently. How will you respond to Jesus? How are you responding to Jesus? My fear in the church today is not so much that we're skeptical, not so much that we are offended, but we are amazed. My fear this morning is that churches all over town are sitting full of people who are amazed by Jesus. They like to talk about Jesus. They like to hear about Jesus. They like to sing about Jesus. They don't mind giving Jesus some money. They're amazed. You tell them, preacher. They're amazed. But that's as good as it gets. That's as close as it gets. They never ask Him into their heart. They never have a personal relationship with Him. It's not enough to be amazed. You know Him personally. Christians, how do you respond to Christ? When He asks you to go next door and witness, when He asks you to Serving to live for it. How do you respond? Many of you respond, many believers simply respond skeptically. Oh, he can never use me. Oh, he can't be talking to me. That's for the deacons to do, the preacher to do, for somebody else. Believers, are you skeptical that he could use you, that he could work in your life? You hear today and you don't know Christ. Are you simply living in a state of amazement? You're here this morning. You want to come and see what would happen. You want to come and see. You want to be part of a gathering of, of believers. But you're stopping at amazed. Do you know him personally? I want to ask you about your here this morning. Today, grateful for the privilege of being in your house to worship you and to serve you. God, we thank you for this passage that was true then, it's true now, of how men respond to you. And Lord, this morning, no doubt, there's some. They're sitting in this room, some that are joining us online, but they're amazed by you. They love to talk of your work. They love to hear what you've done. They love to talk about your miracles. The truth is they don't know you as their Savior. Father, would you stir their heart this morning? Would you convict them and speak to them that they would come today and ask Jesus Christ in their heart? They would respond differently than they ever had before. God, the Christians, those who claim you as their Savior, God, would respond as you seek to lead them. As we sing wherever he leads, I'll go. God, let us honor our words. That we respond differently than we ever had before. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
It may take you a little bit getting used to doing it, but uh, once you get used to it, you can do it pretty quickly. Um, and so um, if you'd be interested in helping with that, um, once a month we, uh, we meet um, to meet the money county. Um, and uh, the deposit slip prepared. And so uh, if you are interested in doing that, please let me know. And uh, if you're not interested in it, let me know anyway, because we've got to have some people to count the money. And so um, even if you don't want to do it, um, and, uh, but you know it needs to be done and you're willing. So um, we, uh, that, that's some of the changes that we're going to have to grow uh, accustomed to. So that uh, in your mind is, um, I used to fuss at Carol all the time when she was teaching the fifth and sixth grade Sunday school class, she'd come in and go to her office. And I said, go to your Sunday school class. You don't work on Sunday. Because uh, people would come by, make me a copy, do this, do that. Now, go to your Sunday school class. You, you, you don't work on Sunday. But uh, she's not going to work at all anymore. So uh, things are changing. So, uh, and we'll, we'll figure them out. But uh, bear with us and be patient. And, um, and uh, we will be right now. I hadn't talked to her, I talked to a few of you, uh, probably maybe the second Sunday in October, um, we're having dinner after service, uh, and uh, for her 